Blog Talk Radio. This, this is, is all about, all about wine. Been for the wine industry since 2009, featuring winemaker, cellar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert. Ron. Basically, what we're trying to do in this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast and around, and the, around world. the world. You know, we've had some big people on the program. I, I just, I love that. Post your questions and comments during the live show on our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash all about wine. That's www.facebook.com forward slash all about wine. All about wine. And now, all about wine all about is wine. on. Here's Ron. Thank you. Thank you, bus people. Did uh, I forgot to ask you, uh, I had a big bad storm go through here about uh, an hour ago. Is, did it head over your direction? or? Oh, it's been raining. I sent you an email. Um, I sent you an email whenever it was earlier, uh, about 6, 6 o'clock, somewhere around there. I don't remember. But uh, saying, yeah, it's, it's raining pretty good over here, and uh, the thunder and lightning stopped for a bit, but... Um, I don't know. And then I'm looking at the radar and I'm like, it's all in your area as well. So I didn't know if you, you know what you were experiencing, but, uh, well, here we are. (laughs) Yeah, it it was, it was really nasty for a while there. It it came down with lightning and thunder and, and, you know, cracking right over the top of the house and all that. And, uh, I wasn't on the computer then I was was doing stuff out in the garage and it was, uh, Pretty nasty, you know. It was blowing and everything, and then it let yeah. up and, and sun shined for a little bit, and it started up again. So, and, and I think it was heading towards you. So I didn't know if you got it or not. Are some coming from the south or you know south southwest somewhere in that area? I was watching the radar bands and stuff. I thought, well, that's kind of odd. And I looked on Facebook, and someone in southeast. Uh, of the county was reporting hail. I'm like, what? What's up with all the hail this year? Yeah, uh, it's changing that much hail, and you know, it's it's ridiculous. And not like small pea size hail. They're they're talking almost um, uh, like golf ball size, and you know, yeah. there's, there's some damage from the hail. It's ridiculous. Um, yeah, that, but, that's what I heard too. <laughs> that it was some nasty hail coming around out there. They were they were announcing it, and that it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, like you say, uh, a big, big hill. Uh, yeah. There's so, just been uh, this year, I don't know, um, past uh, month or so, or month and a half, two months, I guess it's been. But uh, just the the weather's been very odd for for Florida, yes. especially when you're talking about the hail and the size of the hail. We don't we don't get that. Um, we don't get that. Yeah. And, and and tornadoes too. I mean, there was there was tornado warnings for. Uh, uh, the mid part of the state yesterday evening, and they were saying, you know, Florida doesn't get the EF5s or 4s or even 3s or, you know, but sometimes 1 and 2s, and that's enough to, you know, if somebody's standing yeah. by a window, they'll blow out the window and enter them. But, uh, you know, there was, there was hell, yeah. our tornado warnings yesterday afternoon, so. 
Uh-huh. I was watching the news earlier. They did a report down in uh, Fort Myers and uh, along that area. You know, they were hit by Hurricane Ian, and they still haven't rebuilt yet. They haven't. I mean, there a lot of businesses have closed, and and they said a lot of business owners have had to, you know, take on regular jobs, and you know they they've let their businesses go because they they can't rebuild. It's uh, it still looks all torn up, uh, really bad down there. Um, I saw a, a similar report that's saying that you know they're they're trying to trying to get supplies in and stuff like that, and that's been a, a, a just a nightmare trying to get stuff in so they can rebuild. And uh, uh, and when they do get a hold of somebody to get stuff in, it's just so outrageous on the cost that yeah. they just say no. We'll you know we'll just wait. We're not going to do it now because the insurance didn't cover the. Uh, the, the exorbitant cost for things. So, yeah, yeah I, it's it is. It's it's bad. Florida's been uh, weather challenged for a while here. Mm-hmm. I just uh, just saw an email. Uh, that, uh, I finally got a response from one of my people. Uh, have a guest on the twenty second. Uh, it looks like so. I'll. Uh, confirm this and get you the information and we'll we'll look at our guest here it's been an ongoing ongoing thing first heard from these people back in uh uh first of may and uh she's uh, uh she uh some station she's a guest with some station and or she works with some station mm-hmm. another one and uh, one of the uh, uh, sommeliers on there. We talked to the owner of Somme Station, and she said she had sommeliers all over the place. Well, this uh, Elise is her name, and she is one of the uh, uh, the sommeliers that does the programs and stuff. So she will be on on the 22nd. Is that right? Is that the Thursday? Uh, yes, it is. Yeah, yeah so... Three weeks. Let's see. One, two, three. Now, three weeks. She'll she'll be on the show and talk to us about her job with Somsation as being a sommelier and a taster and what they do and all that. So, something to look forward to there for for that. I'm glad we finally got a response from somebody. I like I was telling Mike before the show. I have been crazy trying to get guests on and I'm not getting responses from them for some reason. I, I don't know why there is a problem out there. I, I'm sure my emails are going through, but yeah, I don't know. But we do have a guest coming up on the 22nd, so be sure to tune in for that. And let's see what else we've got here. Uh, any other? Oh, yeah. Uh, Whispering Oaks Winery. I don't know if you all signed up for their emails, but Whispering Oak Winery is located just west of uh, Ocala, I guess, uh, that area there. And they've got a busy summer coming up. They're doing their steak nights again, uh, the uh, choice of grilled beef medallions or surf and turf, uh, which includes beef medallions and grilled shrimp or 12 ounce ribeye or fresh fish or chicken all that's served with a large baked potato veggies 
a ranch-style baked beans, a plate, plated salad or soup, and fresh baked bread. $32 a person does not include tax, gratuity, or alcohol, but it is delicious. So if you want reservations, 352-748-0499. And they've also got other stuff going on. Uh, they uh, have, well... Actually, tonight, uh, June 1st, they got a uh, piece of P-E-A-C-E, piece of Woodstock. Uh, it's a tribute to the 60s uh, group. And then they've got live music on the weekends. And uh, coming up, uh, they have uh, a jazz music on Wednesday from 2 to 5. And Motowners uh are back to Whispering Oaks. Uh, doesn't give a date when they'll be back, but they got a big Motown show. So lots of stuff happening, a lot of music and stuff at Whispering Oaks. Uh, they're located in Oxford. Again, that's just uh, off of I-75, uh, north of Tampa, east or, or west of Ocala and Gainesville at 10934 County Road 475. And their phone number is 352-748-0449 again. And you can go to the website, www.wines, with an S, of Florida.com. So a lot of stuff, if you like music and all that beautiful place up there, beautiful atmosphere and uh, great venue for all this stuff, so something to check out in this month and for the summer coming up. There's lots of stuff going on there. And let's see, I had another winery. Uh, I was just going to say real quick that uh, $32 for a 12-ounce ribeye, I don't know if that was included, but that, that's really a good deal compared to what I've seen at some restaurants out there. Um, 12 ounces, that's a, that's a big steak. <laughs> that's a big steak, yeah. Uh, that's that's a good size steak, and you know that large baked potato, and you know yeah. uh, sal- all that stuff that goes with it. That's uh, uh, that they make fresh bread too, and, and all that. I've been out there on tastings. I've had their fresh bread. Oh my gosh, that is so good. So, uh, mm. it, it, yeah, you're right. It's it's a good price. It's well worth it. So, mm-hmm. if you get a chance, anyone. Get out there and try it and give them a visit. They got some great wines, too, uh, some blueberry wines and different things. You've been there, haven't you? Uh, yeah, Mike. Yeah, you, you I did a, did a tasting. I think I I don't remember if I bought wine or what, but I, like you said, it's a very nice place. It's um, I think we just had a picture of it scrolling past on the little video thing. And there's Bunker Hill coming up. Um, but... Um, yeah, it, it's it's really a nice place. Uh, good parking, you know, decent parking and everything. And it's uh, I think it's coming up around here. But um, yeah, uh, good atmosphere, good people. So yeah, check it out. Hello. I think Ron went silent. <laughs> oh gosh, Ron. Hello, Ron. I don't hear him. Let me check something real quick. Yeah, I heard that. Uh, let's see. I don't hear Ron. 
Let me try something here. Uh, I am not connected. Oh. Please call in. Hang on. Am I still on? Hold on, folks. This happens and some of the odd times here. I've got to check and see where still connected. <clears throat> so Okay. Let me try calling in here. Well, I don't want to do that. No, Ron is I think Ron disconnected. Yeah, Ron disconnected. He tried to connect again, but could not get on as a host. So let's see where he's at. <laughs> see what's going on with him. Uh, tries to call back in here in a minute. You're listening to... Oh, let me put the little... Where's the weather warning? There it is. You're listening to... All about wine with Ron somewhere. He'll be here. Okay. There. There you are. Am I here? Yes. Um, I'm on the I landline and I called back in on my phone. Wow. Okay. I just, it, so. I, I got the while I was talking and I go, oh no, I'm gone. And I was gone. I, I don't know why it does that. Last week we had yeah. a glitch, and I couldn't get in at all. And then this week it yep. cut me off. How what? Twelve, thirteen minutes into the show, I just I don't understand what's going on. I just it's, it's insane. I Talk Talk Radio. It's, there's an issue here, something I don't know. And I'm glad we don't have a yeah. guest. I you know. And in fact, it's happened with guests before, but oh my gosh. But yeah, I, yeah. I called in on the guest line and I can't get, you know, I can't talk to you on the guest line. You know, they told me it was uh, directly. They told, said it had a little notice on there to call it as a host. And they go, no, I'm not going to call it as a host right now. <laughs> Give you a second yeah. to call back in. <laughs> uh, yeah, and so I, I called in on the host and started loading up on the user. Yeah, I got. But I give them something. (laughs) Yeah, I had to put in the the uh, host pin. It connected me. It says apparently you're calling into a live show. Hang on while we connect you. And so I was on a live show. Yeah, yeah. That's that's crazy. I don't know why it does that. It just gives me this this weird people. That's it. Hmm. I know I'm disconnected. I I don't know, don't know the reasoning or what this is all about. But but so uh, here we know, go. We we got got some information for y'all, and uh, uh, just some uh, wine news as always. Is this the page I want? It's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. What's going on here? Okay, John. One. Okay. Um, so let's uh, let's share some.
some wine news and wine information with you today. Uh, Cornell University has uh, created a, a new wine variety. Cornell is very good about that. They have they're constantly creating new wine varieties that will grow in cold climates and stuff like that. And they have created a new one. This one they have been working on for many years. It's like 14 years they have been uh, working out with this thing and growing it and trying to get it. Uh, well, no, I said 14 years. They said this article says introducing Aravel, A-R-A-V-E-L-L-E, Aravel. So this is a new white wine grape that was 42 years in the making. Oh, my gosh, 42 years. That's crazy. Um, it was uh, a hybrid made by Bruce Reich, who is uh, a well-renowned wine grower, not wine breeder, wine uh, reading and all that. He's created so many. But he made this hybrid by crossing the Keoga, White, and Riesling grapes in 1981, back at the start of his career. Uh, now he's made 14 different grape varieties, and he announced that the Arville release at the uh, Business and Knowledge and Viticulture uh, Conference in New York on the 28th of March. He said it contains traits of Cuyahoga White, a grape developed at Cornell in 1972, which is, it was created to be resistant to bunch rot and mildew diseases, and it was easy to grow. And it ripened early to mid-September, which beat the weather up in that part. And he says this new variety combines those traits with taste qualities of a Riesling grape. And it says the Rieslings grow very well in New York. Um, I, I talked about the Riesling in New York before. It is a, a beautiful grape town in New York. And it's also fairly winter-hardy. And... Uh, but the problem is it's been susceptible to fruit rot during the wet period, so they uh, deal with that. But it's, you know, the weather's pretty, pretty consistent. Uh, Rice's uh, 14 grape varieties he was released under his program over his career, uh, starting with uh, Tramonette in 1996 and doing others ever since then. He just came up with quite a list of grapes to his credit that are being used throughout the northern climates because most all of them are cold resistant and resistant to the problems that are well plentiful in the northern climates. He said simply, grape breeding requires many years of planting and testing to ensure that the quality and growers' trusts uh, are there. It says crosses are made based on goals and objectives of what is known about the plants that breeders have developed. So uh, it's it's a long process. He said thousands of seedlings may be planted each year with each one represents a potential new variety. And then these seedlings are tested for five to eight years. And, you know, it takes 
takes about five years for a grapevine to give its complete uh, total crop. I, I, you know, they they don't just give all the grapes first year. Of course, it usually it's about five years to get mature enough till you get the full crop out of it. And so that's one of the delays there. And they want to be sure that it survives that period of time and uh, nothing happens and all that. Uh, three to four years after that, they begin fruiting after it's planted. And so some 12 to 15 years in, if the uh, vines look promising, then the breeders propagate them and send vines to nurseries. Uh, so it's not an easy process. It's not a, a quick process to try to get a new variety out there. And, uh, you hear about a new variety and you go, oh, yeah, okay, but... Uh, it is a uh, quite a task. It, uh, it's a huge investment too for the growers. Uh, they hope that the, they will yield fruit for 30 years after planting. And so, if you're making the jump into a new variety, they want to be sure that it is going to be hardy and it's going to last for the 30 years. And especially in the cold climate, this is the thing that I, you know, I just brought up a couple times there. But it's something that's very critical. Great vines can survive cold as long as it's not prolonged cold and it freezes too deep in the ground. Because if roots freeze, then it could cause problems with the plants, even killing it. Cabernet Sauvignon is a good example. If it freezes too deep in the ground, the cab will freeze. It will kill the grapevine. And so you have to, if you're planting calves in real cold climates, you have to put a lot of protection around the grapevines, uh, mulch and, and stuff, so that the ground stays warm enough so that those plants don't freeze down deep. So uh, it's a, a, a quite, a, uh, quite a task, quite a undertaking to uh, get those. Uh, so, uh, new ones came out, uh, Arvel, and uh, it says it's a uh, lot of characteristics of the Riesling uh, as it. They have a picture here, and it looks a lot like a Riesling. It's, it's amazing how much it does look like a Riesling on the vine here. So, uh, something new, if you happen to see Arvel, A-R-A-V-E-L-L-E, if you happen to see Arvel, labeled in the store, especially up in the northeast there, I mean, give it a try, and uh, it should be a good grape. Uh, they're uh, they're really excited. Uh, according to this article, they're all really quite excited about the the new grape there. So, Arvel. Okay. Uh, Pierce disease. We haven't talked about Pierce disease in a while. Uh, it's just sort of like out there, and it's something we've, it's, uh, you know, just accept. But grapevine-killing bacteria from the Pierce disease has been found for the first time in Humboldt County. And Humboldt is just north of north of San Francisco. And uh, you've got, uh, oh, my engineer just brought in my evening wine. Uh, Okay, before we go any further, let's take a look at this. It's B.R. Cohn, C-O-H-N. It's Cabernet Sauvignon. 
You notice we do taste a lot of calves because we are calf fans. This is a North Coast 2020 North Coast Sonoma could be probably. Let me see what the back label says. And it is, it says, B.R. Cohen, Kevin Sonoma North Coast 2020, founded in 1984 in the heart of Sonoma Valley. B.R. Cohen Winery is known for producing fine wines of exceptional value, an olive tree line vineyard estate, and a long history in music. The 2020 Silver Label Cabernet Sauvignon is a blend of select vineyards throughout the North Coast Appalachian, including our own One Hill, our Olive Hill, I'm sorry, Olive Hill Vineyard in Sonoma, with its ideal microclimate for growing Cabernet with intensely concentrated flavors. BRCone.com, if you want to check out, C-O-H-N. Cellared and bottled by BR Cone, Hopland, California. Uh, alcohol, 14%, and that's all it says. It's got the warning on there. But let me oh, – we've had this before. My wife and I are living here, and I have had this before. Uh, we enjoy it, and whenever we see a special one, we always pick it up. Oh, wonderful, wonderful cab aromas. You can just really immediately know a cab by the aroma. Yeah, that's really nice. Uh, not getting a lot of legs on this for those of you out there who are looking for legs. I'm not getting a lot of legs on this for some reason. Wow, that's unusual. Hmm. Usually it shows it right away, but very, very little legs, if any. It's just, wow, that's amazing. Um, nice dark color. Uh, serve it. Garnet color. That's funny. I do that first sip, and I see the legs form when I do this first sip down a little bit side of the glass. Second sip. Oh, that's very good. Uh, a little bit lighter, a little plumminess to it, and getting hints of. Uh, Blackberries, and they're also not real heavy tannins. A very pleasant blend of Cabernet, though. It's, it's a good example. Great. I'm just getting a wonderful aftertaste right now. Finish on it and giving me that, that Cabernet aftertaste, that dryness uh, with the uh, this the little hint of the tannins that are in it. It's not a lot of tannins in it, but it shows up in the finish more so than it does in the, in the mouth itself. Uh, good mouthfeel. Uh, very interesting, very interesting wine. I've, I, like I said, I've had it before, and I've always enjoyed it. So, VR uh, Cone, I will be sipping that during our show tonight. Uh, I do recommend it. Uh, like I say, it's, it's well worth it. And it's not real expensive. I think it runs less than $20 a bottle, uh, at least around here. I don't know where. Different places have different prices, but around here, North Coast, uh, Sonoma, and I was just talking about North Coast, Humboldt County. Uh, they are finding icy wing sharpshooter in Humboldt County. Uh, let's see, where's my cursor? I moved it when I. Uh, there it is. Okay. 
It says, grape leaf samples taken by Humboldt County Department of Agriculture has tested positive for Pierce disease. And in late September, uh, Agriculture Department submitted grape leaf samples of the California Department of Food and Agriculture Plant Pathology Lab to be tested, and the samples turned out positive. Uh, they said it came from a small domestic uh, and wild grapevine from a small neighborhood located in Willow Creek. So, uh, Willow Creek in Humboldt County. Three samples uh, were tested positive, and the first time the disease has been detected in Humboldt County. And so, this is not a good thing. The Agriculture Department took additional grape leaf samples in the same area in November. And a small number of those samples also tested positive. So uh, due to the plant dormancy, the Department of Agriculture will conduct, conduct further samples throughout the spring and see what's going on. What's the date of this? This is May. This is dated, oh, this article is dated March 27th. So, but, you know, they're more than likely still getting positive results from it. Uh, but they are saying that it is here and they need to really start monitoring. I forget in Humboldt County, which why would go to Humboldt County and not southern part of the county before that, down in Sonoma. Well, actually, it's Humboldt, Mendocino, Sonoma, and across Mountain Napa and then down to San Francisco. So if it's in Humboldt County. I'm surprised it's not moving south. But they will be monitoring it seriously, seriously monitoring it and keeping on top of that because that could be devastating if Pierce disease gets around California and uh, Napa areas and stuff like that. Okay, I had to top off my glass here. The engineer always brings in just enough for a sip. And then she, okay, so Pierce disease. We, we haven't talked about that in a while. Uh, Here's something I saw that is going to be interesting. California has a ban on pesticides that goes into totally set by 2050. Now, you say, yay, that's good. The idea is, but boo, that's bad. Because uh, it's, the, the article here says, California has unveiled a sustainable pest management roadmap which is a long-range plan towards environmentally sustainable culture. And it focuses on elimination of pesticides by the year 2020. Well, okay, good. But uh, it's not just vineyards, but it's everything. No more pesticides. And all the trees and all the stuff that they have in California and they do use pesticides on some of those. I mean, it's, it's limited, but they do use pesticides because of, well, purist disease or any number of other bugs that could get into the plants and all that. Uh, so uh, they're trying to get farm animals. Uh, vineyards are already looking at doing what they can with control of uh, the bugs and the grass and all that, and they're bringing sheep in. 
says the sheep controls the weeds by eating grass and the vine leaves, and there also gives them manure into the soil, which helps. And it produces milk for the lambs and the pasture uh, raised meat is sold and all that. So it's another plus for the vineyard. But it says while it's the vineyards are being environmentally conscious, the growers are being environmentally conscious about this, they have to start moving into the, well, organic uh, aspect of growing because that's basically you know, when you start eating pesticides that's what you're looking at i can't help but think when i was out in california a number of years ago last time i was spending time out there uh i was visiting a vineyard and it was a grower of quite a few acres uh they were had over five thousand acres in different vineyards and uh, Central and Southern California. And I was talking to the head men of that, and I said, do you have any organic vineyards in the system? And he says, yeah, we have, we have acres that we have that we keep organic. He said, but he says, we always look at it that at the first of the season when we get the plants start bud breaking all that, everything is organic. He said, until the, we start seeing vineyards being attacked by bugs and by different things and no more organic we spray them so we can kill it so we can have a crop because if we don't then we could lose vineyards and we could lose grapes so we spray it and we are no longer organic in that vineyard well if if they go to they cannot spray chemicals on it then that's going to create a problem the fact that what are you going to do now you can't spray it so it's going to have to be an organic spray which some organic sprays do work and they're working on making better and better organic sprays all the time but uh, it's still going to be something that might be a problem with trying to keep the grapevines completely productive and getting all the crop you can out of it, which could create a problem there. Uh, organic farming or uh, biodynamic farming might be are being farmed biodynamically seem to be doing well without the sprays and stuff, and the crops are coming out well. So it's something to do that are they created a U.S. slow wine guide, which is, creates an awareness uh, for matching eco-conscious wine producers with like-minded wine drinkers. And it's available in digital and print form. And it showcases wineries in California, Oregon, Washington, and New York. And the wine, uh, the guide considers wine quality adherence to terror value and environmental sensitivity so it's like eliminating synthetic herbicides Uh, they say and i quote the guide had mostly been marketing to the trade but the tipping point is it's a guide for consumers who prioritize land stewardship Uh, we have become advocates for producers that want 
to farm transparently and we list many organic and dynamic farms that are not necessarily certified. We are inclusive. Consumers deserve to know about them as well, which is a good thing. I mean, if you're looking for organic wineries that are not certified, and certification, I mean, we've talked to people and we've had guests on that told us the process of certification for organic and for biodynamic, and it's quite a process. And it's a process that has to be monitored and re-certified periodically. I mean, you can't just get your first certification and say, okay, now we're good. You've got to continue being on top of the whole thing. And with this new law that goes into effect in 2050, they're all starting to slowly gear up for it now. So it may affect prices and production and even, if I dare say, the taste of some wines. It may improve the taste if they quit using pesticides on it and all of them start going straight organic or even biodynamic. You may see a, a cleaner, better taste. Those who produce it organically and biodynamically say that it is an improvement on the quality of the wine and the taste. So it may be everything coming out of California will be even better in the uh, uh, next 30 years or so. We'll see. Uh, I, I hope I'm still around to be able to taste it at that time and see what's going on. So new band, though, in California takes effect in 2050, uh, the uh, pesticides. See that? California bans pesticides for 2050. All over the state. So it's going to be interesting. I mean, not just grapevines, but it's also going to uh, going to be going to be uh, everything, uh, all all plants and everything there. So it should be an interesting interesting thing coming up uh, out of California in the next uh, thirty years, or actually not quite thirty, twenty-seven years. Okay, so let's go on to the next thing that I wanted to talk about. And, ooh, this is this is a bad thing here. Uh, we've been talking about bugs. Let's continue to talk about bugs. Vine mealy, the vine mealy bug is infecting organ vineyards. You know, it just it never ends. It never ends when you're growing plants and stuff. It's a constant, constant battle. Uh, this uh, little summary here, I'll read in and, you know, get a little detail on some of this stuff. says a point. Vine millibug, key vineyard pest worldwide. Point. Cost 500 to $1,500 an acre a year. So if you have yourself a big vineyard, that could be quite expensive. Point. Spreads quickly. Point. The vine millibug is in Oregon. Point. It is suited to Oregon environments. Point. Can be found underground. Point. Chemical control is difficult. That's not a good thing. Point. The vector of vine leafrovirus. And point quarantine may be key to manage spread. So 
so if they find it, that one key area is doing it. But the uh, uh, some points from the article here. The problem in Oregon is that uh, they they tend to think that they are insulated from the problem of the bug, and they don't realize that the climate uh, they thought that the climate is not suitable for the bug, although they are finding it there now. And it thrives on the ground, so it's not something that you can just walk up to a leaf and turn it over and there's the vine millibug on the bottom of the leaf, uh, as you can with other bugs and stuff. They usually like to stay under the under the leaves. But the vine millibug loves to live below the ground where the soil conditions are pretty much stable and they don't have to worry about the climate above ground or anything. And the bug itself is a soft, flat, oval, segmented bug, and it derives its name from the white, mealy wax that covers its pinkish body. Uh, <laughs> uh, mealy bugs differ from other mealy bugs. The vine mealy bug differs from other mealy bug uh, species, such as uh, such as grape, for a few reasons. The male mealy bugs, similar in size as the females, have wings, and males fly short distances, several times a year, to mate with wingless females. So, therefore, they are spreading around doing that. Then, in the winter, the vine mealy bugs stay under the bark within buds and in roots. Temperatures rise in the spring and summer, they inhabit all parts of the vine. And then the problems stem from the sticky, sweet honeydew they secrete, which drops onto vines, producing black, sooty mold. The honeydew also attracts ants, and ants eat the honeydew and in return protect the vine millibugs from predators. Ants also act as unofficial serpents, carrying vine millibugs from roots to shoots. Oh my gosh, you got it. A big problem on that. Consequently, vine millibugs can contaminate and spoil fruit, grapes. More importantly, they serve as a vector for deadly grapevine leaf row disease. An infection occurs when vine millibugs feed on the slim or vascular tissues of the grapevine, transmitting the virus from plant to plant. As a result, diseased plants may reduce yields, change grape ripening, may die. Sounds a lot like the glossy winged sharpshooter also. They used to be on the thumb of the plant and cause problems there too. So it is an issue. It is a problem. And it's a problem that uh, they are monitoring, seriously monitoring in in California now. Uh, They said that in... uh, There was a management company that moved plant materials and harvesting equipment from the Coachella Valley into Bakersfield and Fresno counties in California. And it says subsequently about 14 years had, in about 14 years, they had spread into Napa Valley itself. So a problem. Prevention is hard. Uh, protocols for immediate quarantine is really the best practice. And sanitation is critical in everything that they do to be sure that they don't carry bugs from one vineyard to the next. 
but the vine mealy bug, yet another bug to worry about on grapevines. Napa Valley Cabernet Sauvignon. Napa Cam still matters. Everybody, you, you, you speak to Cabernet Sauvignon and, and Napa comes to mind immediately. That is the the uh, main wine coming out of Napa, you think. Uh, the rise of Cab uh, in, in Napa. Let me read you this little small area here that uh, interesting. It says that uh, when in the 60s, Riesling, Gerstmeyer, Chenin-Blanc, Seminole, and Merlot were planted all over uh, Napa, and nothing was really the king there. There was some Cabernet, but it wasn't really that prominent. Uh, and early vineyard plantings in Napa were the result of settlement following the gold rush and most of the prominent producers were of German origin. And because of that, uh, Riesling and Chardonnay became the grapes that they were planting more than anything because of the German influence on it. Uh, in 1976, British wine Furrier organized a formal wine tasting in Paris uh, of Bordeaux, Burgundy, and California wines, resulting in a California Cabernet Sauvignon and Chardonnay taking the top honors over the French entrance. This was the judgment of Paris, as it came to be known, and everything changed after that. In 1991, a news program on 60 Minutes aired a report called The French Paradox, stating that the antioxidants in red wines were beneficial to health and contributed to a lower rate of heart disease among the French. Well, the report flipped the switch for American consumers, and they said, we want red wine. And they uh, really started to drive the embrace of red wines. So... Uh, at about the same time, the 100-point scoring system came into effect on wines. It's funny how all this stuff started to happen about the same time. The 100-point scoring system came into effect, and it helped people navigate the wine world. Uh, the higher the score, the better the wine was, and so people were starting to look at the point uh, at the scores. In the late 90s to the early 200s, the winemakers started to chase the trends of higher scores. And it was something that uh, drove the wines more than anything. And if you're, it says, if picking at 25 brisk done to a high score, then picking at 26 or 27 brisk must get you a really high score, sugar levels on the wines. And they pick it at 25 bricks and turn it into a big, bold, high alcohol because you ferment out the sugars and turn it into alcohol and get a big, bold wine. So they figure, you know, if we 26 or 27 bricks, it's going to give you an even bigger, bolder wine, which is going to give you a bigger, bolder score that people were doing. And so they started to go crazy on that. So Colgen uh, Cellars, Screaming Eagle, Opus One, started to get big scores because of their big, bold wines. 
um, Robert Parker and Wine Spectator was was the one that was really driving it more than anything there. And it really caused Napa cabs to go crazy wild because of the scoring system and they were getting such high scores and people said, oh, we got to have good it must be. And so it was driving the business. Uh, media headlines and stuff nowadays don't do that as much. You don't get something driven by scores. Uh, strong demand continues to drive prices for Cabernet, though. Uh, in 2022, average price of a ton of grapes from Napa Valley is running you $8,947. Uh, it's $8,947 a ton. Uh, it, it's crazy expensive. It should be around two, dollars $3,000. Most wines that you buy, most wine grapes you buy, are about that, two, $3,000, some not even breaking the $1,000 level. And Napa cabs are way on up there. Uh, it remains the top wine grape planted in the uh, Napa, uh, red or white. And it accounts for more than 52% of the overall plantings. Like I said, just a few acres were there in the 60s. Now there's over 24,000 acres of Cabernet Sauvignon vines in Napa. Um, the average price of a bottle so direct to consumer from Napa Winery, $73.34 in 2022. That's up $8 from earlier in the year. And uh, it's uh, also the average tasting purchase in Napa County, if you go up there and Taste wines and buy the average purchase purchase of a tasting room three hundred seventy seven dollars and eighty seven cents. Staggering to me, it, it really is staggering to me. I mean, for three hundred seventy seven dollars and eighty seven cents, uh, say three hundred seventy five dollars, you can buy yourself. You can jump over to Sonoma. You can go down to Livermore. You can go up to Humboldt, Mendocino, and buy yourself a substantial amount more and still have good quality wine, but they're not Napa Cabernets. And that's the key to it. Napa Cabernets are king. I mean, you you mentioned Cabernet Sauvignon, and it is Napa that comes to mind. So this is what happens. The article goes on to say that the future is not going to change. If anything, it's going to get more expensive to pick up Napa cabs. Uh, they are uh, uh, the wine. The wine, if you want Cabernet Sauvignon, you can get French vins with cabs in it. You can get uh, Cabernet from different areas around the country, but they're still not Napa. That is the standard which everyone strives. Is This is just like a Napa cab. Well, no, it's not. It's just like your cab and be proud of it. Uh, I, I've had some very expensive Napa cabs, and I, uh, because I know the price of it, it, it just sort of makes me think, oh, my gosh, this, this is this much money. Uh, I've had some nice ones that were... You know, a quarter of that price, and we're very good. So, you know, but that's just me. I, I, I'm looking for 
wines that will satisfy me and not bankrupt me. And, and some of those Napa cabs with their big, bold cannons and big, bold alcohol and all that, those aren't ones that you go home and open up with your uh, the spaghetti dinner uh, tonight. Those are the ones that you put in your cellar or white cabinet and you let that thing sit there for 15, 20, 25, 30 years, and then it's ready to be drank and ready to be enjoyed. But I can't see doing that. Uh, I've got wine put away now that I'm, I'm slowly bringing out, and they're great, but that wasn't wines that were that much money back then So when I bought them. So Napa is still king. It's uh, for a cab. If you want a cab, Napa, is no doubt, is still the king. But by all means, you know, watch your, if you've got the money to spend on it, then, you know, good for you, go for it. But I uh, can't do it myself. Okay, let's see what we got here. Uh, oh, there was a body found at the Berkeley Marina uh, about a month ago. And it was a wine representative, wine company representative from Florida. Uh, they think uh, they well, he was missing. They think maybe he was on a boat and uh, he fell overboard. But they don't know the cause of death uh, is still being pursued. They're not sure why or what happened. But uh, a wine representative he represented Italian wines. And he was found in a, a marina in Berkeley. So that, I just thought that was a California representative was, was found there. Uh, okay, let's see, where's the name? Oregon State uh, University has found a new method. This is just a quick FYI thing for you here. They have found a new method on how to detect in wines. And they said that uh, they've been studying wildfire smoke and wine for years, and they said that uh, the old way of testing wasn't working, so they were looking for a new way to test for smoke tank and find it quicker and easier and faster. And it has taken them a long time to come up with something that would work, and they're also working on a process to remove uh, the uh, stuff in it, the theophenols uh, in the wine that, and it can then still be sold. So it's it's a filtering process, uh, a filtering process that they uh, have came up with that will uh, clean the wine up from the smoke taint taste, which is good. Um, if they can get it at a reasonable price, it doesn't say anything if it's difficult or anything in this little article, but uh, they said that it does work, and they, uh, they're they building a new testing lab on campus which can handle uh, the wine from all the Oregon wineries and other areas, too, some of the other areas. So 
uh, good for them. Maybe it will work, and if it's a simple process or if it's easy enough to handle, then maybe it can be spread out, and smoke tank won't be an issue uh, anymore. New Zealand scientists have created a new Sauvignon Blanc variant. Now, Sauvignon Blanc, if you want a good Sauvignon Blanc, you go to New Zealand or you buy a New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc. They are noted for their Sauvignon Blancs as much as Napa is noted for their Cabernets. New Zealand is noted for the Sauvignon Blancs. And they've came up with a new one, uh, $125 billion dollar wine industry in New Zealand and uh, the uh, program is hoped to add uh, more variants of the Sauvignon Blanc. Uh, currently it has 26,559 hectares of Sauvignon Blanc vines and they're due to increase that by 12,000 uh, hectares uh, with the new variant. Uh, there are right now over 6,000 variants uh, that are available, although they only use just a few. But it's it's something like the Pinot Noir. The Pinot Noir has all sorts of variants, and there and and the variants don't mean that the wine's going to taste different. What it simply means is that they grow better, or they are resistant to something, or they. Uh, the bud break is sooner or uh, a little bit later even, and they ripen sooner. It just, the variance can cause all these different things. And of the 6,000, I don't believe, it doesn't say, I don't believe they use all of them. I'm sure they don't. But the new variety, they said, is really is uh, uh, improved yield, resistant to disease, disease, frost tolerant, and uses water uh, more efficiently. So uh, they've came up with a, a new Sauvignon Blanc. But again, if you want to try a good Sauvignon Blanc, New Zealand is your uh, your go-to. Uh, okay, let me see what this next one is here. Uh, where is it? This one I want. Yeah. Oh, here we are. Effective January the 1st, 2024, California wineries and distilleries will have reporting and payment obligations to CalRecycle under what they call the bottle bill. Now, yet again, another thing in California, and this will add cost to your bottle of wine. It, uh, California's the Container Deposit System uh, established a recycling and litter reduction act called the... And as such, wineries and distilleries will now be required to comply with the bottle bill's California Redemption Value Payment and Reporting Obligations beginning January the 1st. Uh, importantly, because all wines and spirits sold in California after July, 20, after July 1st, 2025, must be labeled with some type of approved statement. Producers should start including this information on the bottles and or labels as soon as possible. So you'll see that popping up on California wines before long. 
the type of beverages that this is applied to is beer, malt beverages, wine, spirits, and spirit coolers. And it's uh, for bottles smaller than 750 milliliter or 24 fluid ounces, it's five cents a bottle. For 750 milliliter or larger, it's 10 cents a bottle. And for boxes, bladders, pouches, and similar containers, and these are wine in a box, it's 25 cents. And they have a restoration and payment method that they have to follow and submit on a monthly basis. So, labeling obligations, all wines and distilled spirits in California sold after July 1st, 2025 must be labeled with CA redemption value or California cash refund or California cash refund or CACRV. And it can be added on the actual label or by sticker, stamp, embossment or other similar methods. So you'll be seeing that popping up on California bottles because they'll probably include it on the labels because it's easier just to have it on the label and as a printing it. Uh, it will cost them more for each one. You can redeem it, but it will cost you more. Uh, they're not going to absorb the cost if they ship it out of state. So watch for the California after well, 2025, so three years from now, or two years, this is 23, two years from now, you're going to start getting cost uh, up to $1.20 a case for bottles, 750 bottles, and uh, quite a bit more for boxes. It's, what did I just say? Let me see where I find it again there. Yeah, 25 cents uh, for box wines, Exxon, and it, I'm sure it will be printed on there. So it's going to cost more because of the, the regulations. If you want to save all your bottles and drive them back out to California, you can get the refund on it. It's simple as that. Okay. Washington State growing biodynamically. They are uh, starting to embrace it more and more up there. Uh, currently, three of Washington's approximate 1,000 wineries hold the Demeter Certified Biodynamic Certification. Others are seriously looking into it, and they're trying to... Uh, talk, well, they've talked to the three wineries and all that, so we may be seeing more pop up there, but uh, three of them right now in California, are in uh, Washington, hold the biodynamic certification. If you're curious, it's Hedges Family Estate and Domain Magdalena, Mag, yeah, and Domain Magdalena, both of those are Red Mountain and Will Ridge Winery and Nietzsche's Heights in Yakima. So, but uh, they are uh, looking at increasing their biodynamic growth in Washington. Uh, okay, and let me see the next one here. I know it's after eight, but these are, I just wanted to cover a couple more here. We'll be done. Uh, let me see if I... Oh, California growers are having a problem with the the atmospheric rivers. We all are familiar with those because we all heard about it and saw that moving through the atmospheric rivers in California, where you see those, those rain rivers 
Now, because of that, it's causing plant pathogens that they haven't seen for decades in the state. Uh, there's uh, the moisture in the ground, the moisture in, in, in everything is really causing a problem that they did not anticipate because of the all the water. And it is uh, causing problems that were actually stopped uh, many years ago. Uh, there's a soil born pathogen found mostly in tree roots and it doesn't usually spread to the branches but because of the storms and the right conditions the pathogen swam up trunks as the winds blew the spores into the air and the rain dropped it back down into the canopy and some of the trees and orchards uh, are going to be dying and they can try to prune the infected branches off or apply fungicide but it's not uh, Guaranteed that it'll work. Also, the same thing. There's another pathogen, which I'm not even going to try to pronounce the name because it's a, a scientific name. Uh, is found to get in wounds caused by pruning, and it could cause the twigs or small branches to be infected, and it could cause the plant to die. But uh, some more problems from the atmospheric wave that came through back when California had their uh, had all those rains a few months ago. And then the last thing here, seven new AB8s in the country. And I'm going to read you this because these aren't your traditional ones that you say, oh, there's a little AB8 that popped up in California. These are all around the country, seven new AB8s. Uh, Cornock, Cornock Creek AVA in Ohio, C-O-N-N-E-A-U-T, Cornock. Uh, it's near the Grand River Valley and one of Ohio's other two single-state AVAs. So Ohio now has three on that creek. Uh, it covers 37,116 acres. Um, there's a couple of wineries, famous wineries in there, and... Reasoning, Pinot Noir, Cabernet, Chardonnay, Common Grapes. Next one, Call Valley AVA in Kansas. Call is a traditional name for Kansas, an old Indian name. Uh, the AVA is in the northeast part of the state, and it's drainage basin to the Kansas River. AVA will cover 5,493 acres, contains 33 vineyards, 500 acres under vine, and let me see how many wineries does it say? No, it doesn't. But uh, it is uh, new in Call Valley AV in Kansas. Next one, Nashoba, N A S H O B A, Nashoba Valley AV in Massachusetts. Uh, Nashoba Valley is located and between Neshoba Hill and Mount uh, Wachusett. And it's about an hour north of Boston. And the mountains in the valley hold the warm area and protect the regions from the harsh wind from the coast. The ABA acreage is 57,000 acres. Uh, they've been growing grapes there for since 2000. 
2008. Uh, there are only two vineyards with less than 100 acres, and there's a, a winery called Ironap Cellars, and they've got a variety of uh, different grapes there. Uh, Alberino, Lemberger, Marquette, Arendelle, and uh, Arendelle's one I told you about, and Cabernet Franc. Uh, next one, Nine Lakes of Eastern Tennessee, ABA. Uh, first single state ABA in Tennessee. There are others that bleed over the border, but they're big ones, like the Mississippi Valley ABA and stuff like that. This is in Eastern Tennessee, and it has 32 vineyards, 29 wineries, 232 acres of planted and uh, it's a 2.6 million acre area. So it's a rather large, a large, large area, but uh, that's the newest uh, AVA. Champlain Valley of Vermont. Uh, this is the uh, newest AVA in Vermont, but the first AVA solely in Vermont, it's on the eastern shore of Lake Champlain, uh, and it uh, it gets cold, but uh, they planted grapes uh, from the University of Minnesota that are very cold tolerant, like Marquette and La Preston. And currently, there is more than 115 acres under vine. Uh, the AVA, I don't know how big it is. It doesn't say how big they. Yeah. Well, all the rest of them do, but. Uh, the, the Champlain Valley of Vermont. So I don't know how big that is. Next one, Tyrone, uh, Tyrone Foothills, AVA of North Carolina, T-R-Y-O-N, uh, Tyrone. Uh, it's entirely in North Carolina, uh, 239 square miles. Uh, it will be the state's seventh AVA. And most common grapes planted in there are the Merlot and Cabernet Franc, Chardonnay, Petit Massin, and Chambarsin. And they have other varieties too, but uh, those are the main ones. And it doesn't say how many wineries. Five vineyards in the AVA, but it doesn't say how many wineries. Next one, Upper Chamberlain AVA in Tennessee. Uh, Cumberland, I said Chamberlain, I read it wrong. Cumberland. As in Cumberland Gap, Upper Cumberland AVA in Tennessee. The Upper Cumberland AVA will cover north central portion of Tennessee. Uh, smaller in area than the proposed Nine Lakes region, this one covers 2.1 million acres and only has 71 planted acres. Uh, other regions, eight counties, all of the regions, eight counties have wineries. There are a total of 10 winemaking facilities and 55 vineyards. So quite busy in that AVA. Uh, the area they plant uh, American hybrids: uh, Muscadine, Marshall Foch, Catawba, Cuyahoga, and Niagara. The Upper Cumberland AVA in Tennessee. So there's new AVAs out there. If you're in any of those areas, uh, check out the wineries and. Uh, and ask them about their new ABA. They'll be happy to tell you all about it, I'm sure. And at least they should be. 
Yeah. You know, so. a big accomplishment. Yeah, it, it is. It, it, yeah, they should be happy about it. They should be knowledgeable about it. And they should be happy to share it with you about their ABA. Uh, it, it's it's sad when you talk to different people in different parts of the country who are in an ABA and you ask them about their ABA and, and the poor people behind the counter are not aware of it. And uh, that's <laughs> a, a slight of the wineries themselves all around. I mean, they really should educate the people about ABAs because it's, it's something, you know, it, it takes takes a while to establish and, you know, the everything to get to the point where you have an ABA. So, yeah. So, you're right. So, there we go. Uh, even with the glitch, we got ourselves in an interesting informative program tonight uh for sure yeah and recovered quickly so that, that's always good um the uh, champlain valley uh ava now this was while they were still pushing for federal designation there's 25 vineyards and wineries throughout the valley with 116 acres of commercial grape production um oh wow okay that's I could remember uh, just based off of memory here. Just but, off the top um, of your head. That yeah. Was, oh, yeah. Yeah, the the facts mm-hmm. just, you know, it takes a little bit, you know, the age or whatever. But uh, well, I got it finally and remembered that part. But uh, that was that was in 2022 while they were, uh, the winemakers were still pushing for uh, the official designation of the Champlain Valley. Um, but uh, that's what it would it'd be the first for Vermont, as they said. And, uh that's what uh, what they were saying. How many were in the valley, the Champlain Valley? So quite I'm few. guessing that's uh, really quite a few there. Wow. Yeah, yeah never would have never would have guessed that. So uh, no, anyway, but, um, so we what time is it? It's uh, almost 10 p.m. We <laughs> we will get. <laughs> Welcome to Friday, folks. Uh, <laughs> 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 That's pretty good. When you said the time, I go, it's after 8 o'clock, eight, after 8 o'clock already? Wow. Um, yeah. All right. We will be back next Thursday, which will be June the 8th and uh, 7 p.m. Yeah. Eastern hey, time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you all for uh, tuning in mm-hmm. and enjoy your weekend. Be safe and um, we'll catch you next time. Okay. Yeah. Good. Thanks for listening. Have be safe out there. Thank you. This concludes tonight's broadcast of All About Wine with your host, Ron. For show information, links to All About Wine on Twitter and Facebook, or to be a guest on this show, visit the show website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Archived shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash allaboutwine. Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time on All About Wine. And go to the green room. The green 